Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes. At the time of recording, it is Wednesday, December 6th at 10.19 p.m. My name is Josh Mullinax. On today's pod, Caitlin Clark becomes the 15th player in women's college basketball history to reach a big milestone. Shaka Smart exacts revenge over his old program and Clemson survives an in-state opponent. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. Uh, Josh, in a lot of ways, it was a very typical uh, Wednesday night in Caitlin Clark's college basketball career. She went out and led the Iowa Hawkeyes in scoring with 35 points, uh, 12 of 31 from the field. Uh, They beat Iowa State 67-58, but on this particular night, those points uh, mean she surpassed a pretty big milestone. Yeah. Needed, I believe it was 22 points heading into the game to get 3,000. Became pretty clear pretty quickly that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as you said in the intro, 15th player to do so. Congratulations. Very cool accomplishment. 6 of 16 from 3. So field goal percentage, not all that impressive, but did shoot the ball really, really well. Iowa was down a point with 430 left and then proceeded to score 13 of the game's final 16 points. And mm-hmm. I believe there was a 10-1 run in there, created some turnovers, Basically, Caitlin Clark just decided they weren't going to lose this game. And so uh, a tough test, an important win to add to the meetings with Kansas State and Virginia Tech as you get ready for for Big Ten play here. They only shot 35% from the field. Only two of their starters starters scored more than two points. Mm -hmm. Now, they did get some good contributions off the bench, but it's not like this was a a masterpiece in exactly how you draw it up all the way around. But Caitlin Clark was good enough. The Hawkeyes were good enough to get the win over their rivals. Yeah, you know, they are probably they are they are spectacular in a lot of ways, and they make me nervous in a lot of ways. And uh we'll see how it kind of plays out over the course of the next uh few months or so. But on the other on the other side of things, like like you just mentioned, this game was in question with four minutes left, and they have the most important player on the floor in every single game that they play. And she is, of course, capable of doing whatever needs to be done to get Iowa over the hump. It's the way it's always been uh, with Caitlin Clark at Iowa. So it's it's almost like no matter how many times you might wince at what the score is of an Iowa basketball game late in the fourth quarter, that you have to remind yourself of that, uh, that she is the ultimate equalizer. The other thing, too, on a positive note the two games against kansas state the game against virginia tech your three toughest tests so far they had given up at least 65 points in all of them mm-hmm. so i know iowa state so far not quite on the same level but to hold the team to 58 points to hold a team under 60 when you know you have a player who can get you half of that on any night <laughs> is a good place to start defensively for a team that is clearly not known for their defense. So wanted to throw that out there as well. 
Definitely. We crunched the numbers before we went live here and very real possibility that not only does Caitlin Clark uh, join that prestigious club of 3000 points in the women's in the women's game, but she very well could break Kelsey Plum's record of 3,527 points. Uh, the all time leading scorer in women's college basketball history. Uh, that is very much on the table. And based on how many games they have left, it could be a very fun, like final game of her regular se- of her career, at least regular season uh, at home uh, in front of the Iowa fans. That would be very cool. Wouldn't that be something? Very, very special. You know, what's also very, very special is the revenge tour of one Shaka Smart. I mean, is there anything more satisfying than than just beating up on on an old program? 86-65, the number eight Marquette Golden Eagles over the number 12 Texas Longhorns. Uh, this one got ugly quick and stayed ugly for approximately 40 minutes of college basketball. <laughs> Let's just start by saying that there are not five spots that should be separating these two teams. That's probably yeah. fair. And also... Marquette kind of got dinged for the Wisconsin loss that may end up not actually being a bad loss. Mm-hmm. It looked bad at the time, right? So the AP poll had to react to it. It's just how it works. But this was not this was not two teams on the same level. Just wanted to throw that out there from the beginning. If it and, makes you feel better, Marquette's eighth at Kempom and uh, Texas is 27th. There we go. That's a better, yes. Thank you. That does make me feel a little better. Mm-hmm. I just, AP poll sometimes frustrates me, but yeah. Sometimes. And just this idea, just this idea of Texas decided what Shaka Smart was doing wasn't good enough. (laughs) And now look at what Shaka Smart has done at Marquette. Now that we could have a whole conversation about why he's a perfect fit and why he wasn't a good fit at Texas. There's more to that story, but uh, yeah, when you have Tyler Kolick and Tyler Kolick does that and defensively, you're really good. This is the third time Marquette has held a ranked opponent to 65 points or fewer. The other two are Kansas and Illinois, not exactly shabby offensive teams. Sure. This defense is for real. You weren't losing this game with Tyler Kolick playing that way. And some Texas struggles just made it worse than it maybe was supposed to be. Yeah, you know, I will continue. I was a little disappointed by their late game defense against Wisconsin. I thought it was too easy for for the Badgers late in that game. But otherwise... They are it, it, the, the the proof is in the pudding at this point. Um, they're a top 20 defense at Kempom, and I think that that communicates accurately on the floor. Uh, if Max Asmus, if you take out Max Asmus's 25 points on 10 of 19 shooting, here's how it looks uh, Longhorns were 15 of 41 from the field. If you took away Max Asmus's three of eight from the three point line, the rest of Texas was one of eight from downtown. Uh, if you take away Max Asmus' 25 points, the starting lineup would have uh, tallied up a whopping 24 points in this college basketball game. Um, I don't need to to spell it out for you anymore that like you probably need a little bit more from the rest of your starting lineup if you want to compete with anybody of the caliber of Marquette. This is this is pretty simple here, and that's the obvious thing that jumps off the page when you look at the box score here. Yeah, and the the question for me, what I loved about Texas last year had a lot to do with Serge Jabari Rice. Sure. And Marcus Serge Clark. Jabari. 
Serge Jabari? Yes. He was so good last season. It's going to kind of get lost in all of just the fact they didn't actually, you know, make the final four or anything with the chaos of the season, but he was excellent. And now you're bringing in Max Aismas to replace Marcus Carr, essentially, but you haven't replaced Serge Barry Rice. They're just mm-hmm. not the same offensive team without both of those weapons. I know that's not all they lost. There are some new pieces as well, but just simply from an offensive standpoint, I, I love Tyrese Hunter. I just, he's not that guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, he can get you 18 points, but to have two guys going to score 20 and things like that, and Caden Shedrick isn't that guy. Max Aismas obviously can do that. It's just, a, it can be a very empty 25 points when you don't have a lot offensively from the rest of the, the team. And when you have a team in Marquette that can really expose your offensive deficiencies. Yeah, they, they just don't have the, they don't have the enough screw it. I'm going to go get a bucket. Guys. Right. Right. And or matchup problems. And, and you know, that I'm very, very passionate about the idea of the, your most important scorer being six feet or shorter. You know, no, that that's no shot whatsoever at Max Aismas. It's just the reality of the situation that when that's your guy that you have to go to, when you absolutely need a bucket, there are just going to be times when there's, there's, there's only so good of a shot that that guy can create if he has a, a certain type of defender on him. So yeah, when you have they've had some some unbalanced performances offensively already this year. Um it hasn't always been Aismas, you know, they they go to the final horn with Louisville. It was Caden Shedrick in that game that had 27 and it was really nobody else. I mean Max Aismas was 6 of 19 and 2 of 10 from the three-point line in that game. So there's there's just we need more across the board we're about to talk about a clemson team that had a slow slow day from pj hall but they survived it because all five of their starters were in double figures uh you need more of that from from texas because as good as max Asmus is that's not a recipe for uh longevity uh at this level yeah and they got to find somebody right you pointed out shedrick has done it tyrese hunter you can point to games where he has done it Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to have another guy you can rely on consistently, and or multiple guys if Max Aismas has a bad game and they just don't have that right now. Indeed. Uh, speaking of the Clemson Tigers, seventy-two sixty-seven, a little in-state matchup with South Carolina Gamecocks, and it was it was South Carolina early in this one, and they were up by seven at halftime before. Uh, Clemson opened up the floodgates, brought it back, and ultimately won this one in the second half. Yeah, 49 second-half points. Sure. And they did concede 37, but some of those came from a foul that was completely unnecessary with three-point-something seconds left. One of those was a Michi Johnson three that didn't really matter. So, yeah, they figured out the offense in the second half. Like Mm -hmm. you said, the big story here is that P.J. Hall had a – fine but uninspiring game way below what you expect from him mm-hmm. and all five starters still had between 10 and 15 points chauncey wiggins was really really good which is not something you're exactly counting on but he delivered in a mm-hmm. very convenient game where pj hall wasn't giving you 20 points it was just really really good from the entire starting lineup and 
the the other thing for me, every time I watch Ian Shefflin, that dude just makes things happen. He just does things. Yeah. Yes. Every time you look, he's making a defensive play. He's grabbing a rebound. He's getting fouled. Something. Mm-hmm. He had a double double in this game. Hit some free throws late. Missed the front end of a one and one, but recovered to hit some free throws. It's nothing spectacular. He's not a go-to scoring option. But when He's a glue you guy. have yes, one hundred percent. And when you have PJ Hall, you have some dynamic guards that can really get going when they get hot offensively, which they were fine in this game, but it wasn't like he got forty points out of your backcourt or anything. Having somebody else to just take care of some of those little things to provide some energy, provide a spark. Every team is better with a guy like Ian Shefflin on it, and you saw that again in this one. Uh, here's last year the games that Clemson lost uh, and P.J. Hall's performances in those games. Uh, 13 points, 13 points, 19, 28. That's kind of a little bit of an outlier. Some some losses to North Carolina, Miami, of Florida with some good performances, but they lose to Boston College. He has nine points. They lose... Um, to Loyola Chicago early in the season, he has seven points. Um, they lose to Iowa in a game where he only plays a handful of minutes and doesn't score. You know, it was ultimately for Clemson last year. It ultimately like they they stumbled down the stretch a little, and what we thought was you know, a lock to be a tournament team kind of faded away down the stretch. If they can win games this year against, and it doesn't have to be, we beat North Carolina on the road in a day, in a game that PJ hall had a bad night. It just needs to be, you know what? We played like a, like a really solid, not maybe not really, maybe that's stretching a little bit, but we played a solid South Carolina team. That's off to a good start. And our best player wasn't great. And we still, we didn't walk away with a blemish on on our resume. And then you add a couple things like, Hey, we beat Alabama in non-conference play in the sec, uh, ACC challenge. And then you're really starting to put a resume together. That doesn't depend on you doing something like beating North Carolina on the road or being beating Duke on the road or doing really well in those opportunities because you're not shooting yourself in the foot as many times throughout the year. From the South Carolina standpoint, real quick, they did have a couple chances to make it a one possession game. And mm-hmm. I mean, Clemson had a five second call with timeouts remaining. There were some, some concerning things that happened near down the stretch as Clemson tried to close this game out, but South Carolina just couldn't take advantage, couldn't get it to one possession. So they had to keep following Clemson hit enough free throws. And that's, I mean, that's a tough place to play against a team that, I firmly believe is one of the 25 best in the country. Obviously they're now ranked with the week they just had getting a couple high major wins. You add another one here, but of course you want to win the game, but for Lamont Paris, you've got to feel pretty good about, about the performance really good. First half. Okay. Clemson's offense came alive in the second half. Michi Johnson was good. This is a real South Carolina team. You can see the progress that's being made. That's not a game you expect to win. And if you're Clemson, you should beat, we'll just call them average SEC and ACC teams at home. Mm-hmm. That's just the level of talent Brad Bunnell has at his disposal. So absolutely no shame in this loss for South Carolina. If you can take a positive, if you're somebody who believes in moral victories, I would argue this was one. 
to to go into to that building against that team right now and and have a good show. Yeah, absolutely. Last thing, Clemson's eight zero. On January fourteenth last year, they beat Duke. We're fifteen and three, seven and zero in conference. When we get to January fifteenth this year, is Clemson fifteen and three or better? Without actually looking at the schedule, so that would be TCU, Memphis, Queens, Radford, Miami, Florida, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Boston oh. College, Georgia Tech. That would be the stretch. <laughs> they got all the good teams in the ACC up there. I guess yeah. not Duke, but not Duke, but and Virginia Tech's away, and so is Miami. Yeah. I could absolutely see a world where they only lose two or three of those games. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I'm looking back and like, this is a completely different start from last year. But the thing that kind of bolted them into the spotlight a year ago was the fact that they started seven and zero in conference and ultimately 10 and one in ACC play. So uh, that was I'll be such curious a bad ACC though. I, sure. I mean, but regardless, yeah. the, you know, that still was, it wasn't the start last year. So right. if they can do something at least even comparable through the first seven games, last, you know, this year, whether it's six and one or, you know, six and two through eight, whatever it is, then uh, they'll be in a solid spot. And this is a much tougher schedule as well. Indeed. Indeed. So positives on both sides there. They beat basically nobody through yeah. those games other than yeah. Duke last year. And that's yeah. obviously not the case here. Alrighty, that's all we got for you. Uh, for the Under 8 Podcast, it is Wednesday, December 6th, 10.37 p.m. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. We'll be back for our final show of the week tomorrow night. Uh, as always, thank you so much for being here, and we will see you tomorrow.